Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. My name is Reverend Marisol Caballero. You can call me Madi. So if this is your first time here, I want to welcome you especially today. Um, this is a different service than what we typically have. We typically have the kids go off to Sunday school a few minutes into the service. And this is an intergenerational service today. Um, we do this several times a year, so the kids stay for the whole thing. And so it'll be a little bit more kid-friendly and, um, and hopefully a lot of fun. So we like to start off every Sunday by saying that we come from a long, long tradition theological tradition that says there's a spark of the divine in every person, whatever that means for you. And so we like to greet the holy within our midst by turning to our right and left and saying hello to your neighbor. If you are here for the first time or second time, basically, if you're not wearing a name tag, please get one. Please get one as you leave these doors at the welcome table, and because we'd like to for you to stay and have coffee and tea and and bagels with us after the service in House and Hall, and uh, and we'd like to greet you by name because we're so happy you're here. So please do that and and know that you are welcome in this free church, and we couldn't be happier to see you, all of you. And now please join me in the words by which we light our chalice. They're found in your orders of service. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. I'm Marcia Sharp, your lay leader for this morning, and our call to worship is by Thomas Rhodes. We come in a variety of colors, shapes, and sizes. Some of us grow in bunches. Some of us grow alone. Some of us are cupped inward, and some of us spread ourselves out wide. Some of us are old and dried and tougher than we appear. Some of us are still in bud. Some of us grow low to the ground, and some of us stretch toward the sun. Some of us feel like weeds sometimes. Some of us carry seeds sometimes. Some of us are prickly sometimes. Some of us smell. And all of us are beautiful. What a bouquet of people we are. Yes, we are a diverse bouquet. We come from so many backgrounds and belief systems and towns, and countries, and some of us say we're just UU, Unitarian Universalist. Some of us aren't even sure about that yet. (laughs) Some of us say we're Christian UU, or agnostic, or atheist, or neo-pagan, or Hindu UU, or Muslim UU, and what what are we doing here then? (laughs) What brings us all into this space if we're so different? Well, we've got a lot in common, and a lot of it is in our hearts, and a lot of it is in our mission statement, which is on the wall, and we say it together every week. 
We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. And now I have a story to tell you all. This is called The Duck of Enlightenment by Kathleen McTeague. One spring afternoon, I went home a little early so I could claim an hour of study time before my children got home. As I opened the door, I was greeted by both cats, which was a little odd because they don't usually condescend to notice our coming and going unless it's dinner time. One of them promptly bolted out of the open door while the other wrapped himself persistently around my legs. As I stood puzzling over this behavior, at the edge of my vision, I caught a sudden motion in the family room where there should be no motion in an empty house. <gasps> With hair rising on the back of my neck, I slowly moved into the house and rounded the corner of the room, and then I saw it. There was a duck in the family room. A wild brown duck. A live duck in the family room. My brain actually stopped completely for a couple of heartbeats. What should the brain do, after all, with so utterly an unexpected sight? I stood there in the doorway, and I said out loud, There is a duck in the family room, as though it would help me believe it. None of the windows were open. The doors were properly closed. The duck huddled in the far corner of the room next to a clutter of books and DVDs, radiating the hope that if she kept perfectly still, I wouldn't see her. Carefully, I caught her up, a small duck, female, her heart tapping frantically against my hands, and I carried her outside. I looked at her, full of wonder at this little visitation, and then I opened my hands. She leaped into the air in a great arc of liberation and beat her wings in a straight line of escape all the way to the horizon. I went back to investigate the breach of household security, and within a few minutes, the mystery was explained. Do we have any guesses how the duck got in? Window, fireplace, what else? Cat door, yes. Um, you know, she could have beamed in Star Trek style. Let's see what happens next. So, let's see what happens next. Oh, okay. A trail of ashes spilled from the fireplace. Ah. And here and there on the wall against the ceiling, I saw soot in little feather-shaped impressions where the duck had thrown herself up toward the light. It all made sense then. 
how a duck could come to be standing in the middle of my house. But I felt lucky that within the space of a few breaths, my linear deductive mind had been shocked into silence. When something tumbles us into that state of wonder, the unexpected quiet in our heads is like a window flung open on the world. Instead of the routine, predictable story we live each day, there's something new under the sun, and surprised out of our minds for a moment, we actually see. Startled awake, we receive what's in front of us. Simple, astonishing, unedited. Afterward, basking in the the dazzlement of my visitor, it occurred to me that it really shouldn't require a duck in the family room to awaken my wonder. Isn't the same lovely little duck just as wondrous? Just as worthy of my awe and my open and grateful heart when she's out in the woods where she belongs? The real miracle is not that her frightened heart beat against my hands for a moment, but that her heart beats at all. That her heart beats, that my hands can hold, that my eyes can see. And you know, we don't all see with our eyes. So let's awaken ourselves to see the wonder in this wondrous world. This year, as we do every year, we celebrate a long-held, loved tradition in Unitarian Universalist churches called Flower Communion. The Unitarian Universalist Flower Communion service, which we're about to celebrate, was originated in 1923 by the Reverend Dr. Norbert Chopik, founder of the modern Unitarian movement in Czechoslovakia. On the last Sunday before the summer recess of the Unitarian Church in Prague, because some churches stop meeting in the summer, but we don't quit. And you don't stop, is the lesson there. So all the children and adults would participate in this colorful ritual, which gives concrete expression to the humanity-affirming principles of our liberal faith. When the Nazis took control of Prague in 1940, they found Chopik's gospel of inherent worth and beauty of every person to be as Nazi court records show, quote, too dangerous to the Reich for him to be allowed to live. Chopik was sent to Dachau, where he was killed the next year during a Nazi medical experiment. This gentleman suffered a cruel death, but his message of human hope and decency lives on through this flower communion, which is widely celebrated today. It's a noble and meaning-filled ritual which we are about to recreate. This service includes original prayers from Chapik, including our last hymn, which he wrote the words to. 
to help us remember the principles and dreams for which he died. And now, I invite you into prayer or meditation with the words that Chopik wrote. Yes, and people do pray in so many ways. What are some of the ways that people pray? Yes, they sit quietly, meditatively. Sometimes people close their eyes. Sometimes people gaze upward. Sometimes people just listen to their breath or the words of someone speaking. So I invite you now to still your bodies, calm your bodies, and breathe in and out. Infinite spirit of life, we ask thy blessing on these, thy messengers of fellowship and love. He's talking about the flowers. May they remind us amid diversities of knowledge and of gifts to be one in desire and affection and devotion to thy holy will. May they also remind us of the value of comradeship, of doing and sharing alike. May we cherish friendship as one of thy most precious gifts. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or sully our relationships. But may we realize that whatever we can do, great or small, the efforts of all of us are needed to do thy work in this world. Amen. And now, for a few moments, we're going to sit in silent prayer or meditation, very still. Sit comfortably so you can sit as still as possible. Calm your bodies. And take this time to think about all the people and things that are going on in your life that are important to you. All that you've got on your hearts and minds today. We try to be as quiet and still as possible. May the prayers of your hearts and minds be made real in this community who loves you. A long time ago, here's another story for you. There was a family that lived happily in a small, quiet house in Poland. One day, they learned that the grandparents were coming to live with them. The child was very excited about this, and so were the parents. But the parents worried that because their house was very tiny, they knew that when the grandparents arrived, the house would become crowded and much noisier. The farmer went to ask the rabbi what to do. The rabbi said, let them come. So the grandparents moved in. They have a lot of furniture, which goes in the living room where they sleep, and in some other rooms, too. It's crowded and noisy in the house, and so the farmer goes back to the rabbi. I did what you said, rabbi. Now my in-laws are here, and it's really crowded in the house. 
their in-laws. Now there's more light shed on this story. The rabbi thinks for a moment. Then he asks, do you have chickens? Of course I have chickens, said the farmer. Bring them into the house, said the rabbi. The farmer is confused, but he knows the rabbi is very wise. So he goes home and brings the chickens to live inside the house with the family. There's lots of birds in, sto- in houses and stories in this service. But it's no less crowded and noisy. In fact, it's worse. With all the clucking and the pecking and the flapping of the wings... So the farmer goes back to the rabbi. I did what you said, rabbi. Now with my in-laws and with my chickens too, it's really crowded in the house. The rabbi thinks for a moment. Hmm. Do you have any goats? Of course I have goats, said the farmer. Bring them into the house. The farmer's confused, but he knows the rabbi is very wise, so he brings all the goats from the barn to live inside the house. It's no less crowded and noisy, and I'm imagining getting smelly. In fact, it's so much worse. The chickens with the clucking and the flapping of the wings and the goats with the bang and the butting of the heads against the walls and with one another... Next day, farmer goes back to the rabbi. I did what you said, rabbi. Now my in-laws have no place to sleep because the chickens have taken their beds. The goats are sticking their heads into everything and making a lot of noise. The rabbi thinks. He thinks and thinks, and he looks very puzzled. What do you think happens next? Anyone of any age, shout out something cows what else could happen next horses okay yeah let's see what what happens to this poor farmer i mean the in-laws were anyhow so So, he says aha you must have some sheep of course i have sheep said the farmer bring them into the house said the rabbi The farmer knows the rabbi is very wise, so he brings the sheep inside. It's no less crowded and noisy. In fact, it is much, much worse. The chickens are clucking, and they're flapping their wings, and the goats are banging, and they're butting their heads, and the sheep are banging, too, and the one set on the farmer's eyeglasses and broke them. The house is loud and crazy, and it's starting to smell like a barn. Completely exasperated, the farmer goes back to the rabbi, Rabbi, he says, I have followed your advice. I have done everything you said. Now my in-laws have no place to sleep because the chickens are laying eggs in their bed. The goats are banging and butting their heads and the sheep are breaking things and the house smells like a barn. The rabbi frowned. He closed his eyes and he thought for a long time. Finally, he said, this is what you do. Take the sheep back to the barn. Take the goats back to the barn. Take the chickens back to their coop. 
The farmer ran home and did exactly as the rabbi had told him. As he took the animals out of the house, his child and wife and in-laws began to tidy up the rooms. By the time the last chicken was settled in her coop, the house looked nice and quiet. It smelled sweet again. And all the family agreed their home was the most spacious, peaceful, and comfortable home anywhere. And now I'll tell you the title of that story. It's called, It Could Be Worse. When I hear this story, I think how easy it would be to assume that the lesson it's trying to teach us is to not complain about our lives, no matter how inconvenient. But I don't really think that's the point at all. Dissatisfaction is part of being human. We will always have reasons to complain if someone is ready to hear them. It's much harder to look for joy and for possibilities. A while back, I started thinking about today and how it's been a year since our last Flower Communion celebration, a time when we celebrate the return of springtime, of new life and new beginnings, Flowers are blooming even on cactus, and baby birds are popping their tiny heads out of nests. City swimming pools and snow cone stands have opened up in anticipation of all the kids who are one grade older, either this week or last. All these are exciting things and definitely worth celebrating. But as is human nature, I couldn't help but think about all that's happened in the past year. It has been a doozy. All the sad and awful things that have happened in the world, in our country, in Texas, all the loved ones who have died in this very church community. It makes a small house full of barn animals seem like a Zen retreat. I looked up quotes about springtime to try and find some inspiration for today's celebration, and I found this one by Doug Larson. Spring is when you feel like whistling even with a, a shoe full of slush. That seems perfect. Although spring here in Austin has meant torrential rains and not the slushy mess that it did for the Northeast we're still a whistling. We can think of so many disappointments, stresses, and tragedies to weigh down our proverbial slushy shoes, and yet we whistle on. We whistle to the tune of forward thinking, of taking a stand when we know that something is wrong, of inspiring others to do the same. We lift our heads and whistle about hope for tomorrow and resolve for today. We whistle because life has beauty beyond despair and joy beyond grief. We don't whistle to forget that our shoes are filled with slush or to ignore the discomfort and real pain of it all. We whistle so that we don't get stuck in the hopelessness and grief and disappointment. We whistle because there is still so much for us to do. Because being together is so wonderful. Because flowers are still blooming. Because so many reasons. A much-loved Mexican folk song, Cielito Lindo, 
sings, and if you know the chorus to this, sing along with me. Ay, 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 canta y no llores, porque cantando se alegran cielito lindo los corazones. Which roughly means, ay, 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 is kind of like la, 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 la. So, la, 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 sing and cry no more, because singing gladdens the heart, my pretty darling. Whistle on. There is so much room in this tiny house. Let's celebrate the hope of spring. So please join me in the words by which we extinguish our chalice, also found in your orders of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Go forth in peace to enjoy the flowers in the springtime, even though they make us sneeze. May it be so. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.